Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Little Twitter things that relate to football is a violation of team rules. So if somebody plays for us, they don't have a Twitter account. And uh, if I find out they do, uh, well, then action will be taken, and that's all there is to it. I think Twitter's stupid to begin with, and I think anything that's a distraction is stupid. I think that uh, a guy that plays college football gets more than enough attention. They don't need Twitter. And so, no, if you play for Texas Tech, you don't have Twitter. That is Mike Leach, RIP, and we are going to be uh, playing a bunch of clips from him through the day today. It's just still hard to wrap your mind around the fact that he's not with us anymore. And, yeah, if you missed the news, officially he's passed away. And, again, it's not shocking after the news we got yesterday. It looked like all signs were pointing that direction. But it's uh, you know, a huge loss for the football community, really for the world. The guy's just such a unique individual. Forget the football part of it. But we're going to celebrate his life a little bit today. And if you want to weigh in on anything, maybe you had a chance encounter with him, maybe you had a chance to visit with him. Heck, I don't know. Maybe you're listening and you played for him. I don't know. But uh, we do have somebody who's going to join us a little bit later, late add to the lineup that uh, has, I guess, had a close relationship with him. Yeah, Tom Lemming is a national recruiting uh, reporter. He's known uh, Coach Leach for over 20 years, and he will join us today at 1230. All right. Well, we got a pretty good coach in the uh, house with us today. Conk is here, so let's bring him in officially and chat with him. I'm sure he's got some thoughts as well. It's time for the Natural State Football Report with Clint Conk. Taking a closer look at football across the great state of Arkansas with the winningest coach in UCA history. The Natural State Football Report is brought to you by Farm Brothers Flying Service. For the past decade, they've been providing crop dusting services to the farmers of Southeast Arkansas, and they can help you too. Call 870-26300. And brought to you by Kitchens Truck Sales. For all types of used trucks and trailers for almost all industries, especially farming and farming related. KitchensTruckSales.com Now, let's toss around the pigskin in the zone with Justin, Wes, and the coach. Coach, great to see you today on a rainy Tuesday. Good to see you guys uh, all together in studio. It's been a while. Man, it's great. We're going to be here the next couple weeks. It's been nice. Uh, We had the last few days, actually. So we had a couple days on the road last week, but you missed our show at Cupid's. It was great fun. Wes and I uh, got matching (laughs) outfits. It was a great time. Anyway, um, let's start with the serious business. And, you know, obviously everybody's mind, I think, is on Coach Leach and it's just so shocking that that's what happened. And, you know, a guy's 61 years old, and, you know, I wouldn't say that he's the picture of health by any stretch of the imagination, but certainly nobody thought that he was in a critical situation where, you know, there was a heart attack coming. And I guess that's part of the deal with that medical situation is you don't necessarily expect them to happen. And unfortunately, um, and I'm sure we'll learn more as time goes on, but it uh, sounds like if he had gotten a little quicker care that maybe uh, things could have had a different outcome. But bottom line is it's a, it's going to be a huge hole left in the world of college football without Mike Leach. Yeah, just a tragic day today with the passing of Mike. Um, such a, first of all, from the football side of things, such an impactful coach. Uh, just look at his coaching tree as far as the, uh, the coaches that coached under him, the players that played under him that have gone on to coach. Um just a just a tra- tragic loss, and then and then certainly the man and his personality and what he brought uh, to the world. You know, I, I keep reading online, you know, national treasure, and and that's thrown around a lot, but really he was a very unique person. And uh, you know, I had a 
a brief opportunity to, to be around Coach Leach. Um, back in my days when I was the offensive coordinator at Louisiana Tech, the one-back offense was just starting to really catch on across the country. Mm-hmm. And so uh, for three or four years there, we would go to different uh, universities or, or different cities, and eight or ten of the, the top passing programs in the country uh, would come together. And, you know, the only uh, the only – requirement was that you had to give a presentation if you're invited and you show up you have to give a presentation something that's unique to what you guys do so I can't remember what I spoke on but anyway Mike was at Kentucky at the time and I had an opportunity to sit in the back of the room and uh, I I thought I was going to learn some football from the guy but actually he was cracking jokes the whole time Mike Leach was being Mike Leach and uh, I really enjoyed his personality but then when he got up to speak about Kentucky's passing game of course he had Tim Couch and mm-hmm. you know some of those dudes back then, uh, the Mesh series. You know he he really spoke extensively about that, and so we were able to take that from him from an X and O standpoint and integrate it into our passing game. But um, just a tragic loss. You know I'm 61, hmm. and so it makes you take a step back and and reflect. I just went and got a physical last week, and all that I think is fine. Came out good. Uh, need to lose a little weight, but who doesn't? But anyway. Um, it does make you take a step back and reflect on, you know, taking care of yourself. And I think he did have some health conditions during the year, maybe pneumonia or yep. some about of it. And then that's kind of, you know, carried over. But uh, it's just tragic. Um, it, it took me by surprise. And uh, I knew when he got airlifted that probably wasn't a good thing. Mm-hmm. When you look at the, you mentioned the coaching tree, but it is so extensive. And Cliff Kingsbury, uh, you you go out to the uh, the Brawls winner um, this year, um, Riley. Yeah, uh, and his brother, of course. Yep. Yep. They all come from that that tree of his. Graham Harrell. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. What was it about his offense that made it so the air raid that made it so successful? You know, first of all, he, he always talked about quarterback development, and if you look in his offenses, he all and look at Will Rogers at Mississippi State. I mean. Always had great quarterback play, and he did an awesome job of tempo, but spacing the field with splits. Uh, he, he made you cover the field horizontally, horizontally and vertically. So uh, it was just not the control passing game, which he got from BYU, and he talked about that in, in his talk that day. Uh, he got from Lavelle Edwards, which was the controlled passing game, the underneath spacing, but also the vertical passing game he added to that. So it made it very, very demanding. But it always started with quarterback play, offensive line play, and protections. One of the things I saw in the 60 Minutes piece I talked, uh, I saw that uh, went back to his days at Texas Tech. This is when he was the coach there. They talked about the offensive line spacing, and you don't you you talk so much about splits. I mean, these guys are gapped out. Yep. And what what does that do? What kind of opportunities does that create for you offensively? Well, it makes you have to either defend the gap or defend the player, and you have to make that choice going into the game. Am I going to be a three technique, or am I going to line up where a normal three technique lines up? And so there's a whole playbook to if they're going to play the gap, this is the run game we're going to run. This is the protection we're going to use. If they're going to play the man, now they're wider, this is the run game we're going to use. This is the protections we're going to use. Uh, he obviously had great receivers. And, and when I talk about spacing, it's offensive line spacing, but it's also receiver spacing. I mean, literally, he made you defend the entire field, mm-hmm. both horizontally and vertically. But it always started with the core, the quarterback, the offensive line, and the protections. And, uh, wow, I mean, it's just, uh, it, you know, another another 
backdoor connection I had to Mike Leach, Buster Faulkner. Yeah. Remember Buster? Remember Buster, yeah. All right, Buster's now the offense coordinator. He just got hired at Georgia Tech. Uh, he's been on Georgia staff as an analyst, I think, but he'd been with me in uh, Arkansas State, maybe Middle Tennessee, Southern Miss. He'd been around. Anyway, I hired Buster from Valdosta State. Well, I called Mike to get a recommendation on Buster because they'd been together at Kentucky. So, um, you know, it's really a lot of tentacles sure. that, that go deep with Mike Leach's tree. And, uh, you know, it started with Hal Mummy and then mm-hmm. Mike Leach kind of taking the, the mantle. And, and now, you know, it's Kingsbury and Graham Harrell and, you know, Sonny Dykes and all those guys yeah. now that, that are under him. They're supposed to play uh, Illinois on January 2nd. Can you imagine what this team is dealing with? I mean, you've, you've probably had to deal with death inside the team or family members dying inside the yeah. team. But how this team is – going to handle this over the next couple of weeks you've got to think they're very fragile you know um as direct as he was i mean uh, and, and the funny side of things you know he, uh, one of his last dissertations i guess was when he talked about the the dinosaur hands and the arms of his receivers and then he's folding up the chairs on the sideline mm-hmm. you know they don't deserve to sit down as direct and as forthright as he was with his players you know they loved him you know that the, you don't win eight games in the SEC just by showing up. I mean, they're played for the guy. I think that they'll, you know, circle the wagons and recommit themselves. It's going to take a week or so, but recommit themselves and go win that game for Mike Leach. I hadn't thought about the game much, Wes, but to your point, I think it's it's obviously great that the game is a little further further down mm-hmm. the road. It's one of the later games it's played. It's not a, a, a playoff game, so that's pretty cool, I guess. If it was regard. an earlier game, I could see them canceling sure, the game. Sure, absolutely. absolutely. You bet. All right, let's move on to some other items that are uh, not particularly pleasant either, but obviously nothing nearly as devastating as what we're you know we're talking about with the Coach Leach. But you know, Trey Knox is leaving. He's the latest guy to, to get in the portal and to move on, and uh, it comes on the heels of Coach Loggins moving over to South Carolina, who is a key recruiter for Arkansas. Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about Knox and, you know, NIL arrangements and things of that nature. It's probably just a microcosm of, of, you know, more things to come for Arkansas. There aren't a lot of guys that can command or think they can command, you know, a certain dollar amount, but it's probably going to become the norm. It is. And uh, I heard a few comments that you were talking. I don't think you can put the pace back in the tube, um, but the NCAA does need to step in and put some more guardrails on this process of, of the NIL and the transfer portal. They kind of work hand-in-hand to me almost. But, uh, yeah, losing Trey Knox is a blow because I don't think they were super deep there to begin with. Um, don't be surprised if he ends up at South Carolina, you know, with Coach Loggins, um, who has coordinator experience. So, I mean, that's a good move for him. Yeah. You know, congratulations to him. Uh, but that does put a – a hole on the coaching staff, but a, a real opportunity now for Coach to uh, make an addition to the staff, to, to, to grow the staff, but a real loss for, for, for Arkansas losing Trey Knox because he was really a security blanket for Jefferson, particularly down in the red zone. And he made some – well, he made 25 or 30 catches, but he did have some big catches this year that did help you know their offense. Yeah, a couple of touchdowns in the opener. I mean, let's, yep. let's be honest. I mean, he got them off to a good start, and that was a key part of them knocking off Cincinnati in the opener, which was That's not right. as easy a game as a lot of people thought it would be. Defensive coordinator-wise, um, you're, you're kind of in the mix. I mean, I know you keep an eye out for coaches, and I know you've got thoughts probably on that. What kind of guy is a good fit for Arkansas at that position? Well, I, I love me some Charlie Strong. You know, of course, he's got a UCA pedigree and uh, was a great defensive coordinator at uh, at Florida. Where is he now? Uh, 
It's a great question. I don't know. Went to uh, Texas briefly, right? Yeah, he was a head coach at Louisville, um, head coach at Texas. Um, um, was got fired, and then he went uh, maybe He's to the uh, NFL for a while. Co-defense coordinator of the Miami Hurricanes. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm a Charlie Strong fan. I, you know, obviously uh, coming back to Arkansas would mean something to him. There's some good ones out there. Uh, Ron Roberts, uh, I think, was in the mix. Ron was at Southeastern at one time as the head coach. We yeah, played him. against him. And then, of course, he was at Baylor. I guess he's going to Auburn now. Right. Is that right? Mm-hmm. There's some good ones out there that are, are, are both unemployed and employed. And uh, I would think Arkansas is a big enough stick to be uh, competitive salary-wise with uh, you know some of the guys out there. But I'm a big Charlie Strong. I know Charlie personally. I had an opportunity to get to know him uh, when I was at UCA. And uh, matter of fact, spent several hours together one day, and I ended up implementing some pregame Friday workout stuff that he was doing at Louisville that uh, they were doing at Florida with Urban Meyer at the time. And so uh, just a big Charlie Strong fan. I think he would be a great candidate. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's some good ones out there. Find somebody that's aggressive, though, that the players are going to respect and – and, and, you know, get tough. I've been reading a lot about the offensive recruiting. I'm waiting for the see with the defense because they got a lot of holes to fill on defense with the NFL, you know, early commits as well as the transfer portal. Their depth in the secondary is pretty bad. You, you've been watching Arkansas football for a long time. Knowing what kind of recruits they're going to get year in and year out, is there a particular style you feel like that fits, especially complementary to what they do offensively? Well, it all starts up front. If you can get – three or four guys up front, and I'm a four-man front guy. I've, I've done both, the three-man front and the four-man front. I'm a big four-man front guy, and if you can get four dudes up there that can rush the passer without pressure, that makes your linebacker and secondary play better. Um, but I also like pressure. So uh, I think they're in pretty good shape with their starting corners. If they leave McAdoo at corner uh, with the LSU transfer. McGothern, yeah. Yeah, whatever his name is on the other side. I can't ever say his name right. Um, but they need some safety help. They need some help up front, and they need some linebacker play. I think uh, uh, Pooh is a yeah uh, is a good piece to start with there and build around. But you know you lose Bumper and you lose Drew Sanders, so um, there's got to be some help there. But it absolutely starts up front. And that's been the problem though for Arkansas. Is, I mean, think about how many defensive linemen are in the league that played at Arkansas. I mean, you got Flowers, mm-hmm. Teacher Twice. Yep. Uh, the Bylon was there for a while. Uh, the big kid that transferred from Illinois State last year. Um, Ridgeway. Ridgeway, he's still in the league, yeah. So, I mean, they've had some good players over the years. Uh, and if they can get back to that and get, you know, some size, some SEC caliber frontliners and SEC caliber depth guys, uh, then I think that just, you know, you can build from there back. And then, But coach has to decide, do I want to be a three-man front team with the personnel that I have now? with the hopes of, you know, filling needs, or do I want to be a four-man front guy and recruit to that? So those are some philosophical things that Coach Pittman has to decide. And then from there, you know, like I know Charlie's a four-man front guy, but there's some great three-man, odd-man front coaches out there, you know, that, that do a great job. Mm-hmm. I mean, half the teams in the NFL play an odd front, right? you know, and they have that hybrid player that can – Judon that we saw last night. You know, he's a considered a linebacker, but he rushes the passer as much as he drops in coverage. Mm-hmm. So – uh, coach has to decide philosophically what he wants to do first. Hire the coach that can do that, that best fits uh, his staff, and then go recruit to that. You but had they've a, got a lot of holes to fill. You had a season once, I don't remember the exact numbers, but I want to say it was like maybe five losses by seven points or something crazy like yeah, that. Yeah. When you have in Arkansas, doesn't wasn't quite that extreme, but there were a lot of close losses, and there were probably some decisions that uh, the staff would like to have back. 
these are the things I'm sure that keep head coaches up at night in the offseason. Right. Right. What do you learn from a season like this if you're Sam Pittman? That we've got to learn how to finish. You know, we got to be better. You what know, does that mean, though? I mean, that's a, that's uh, people say that. What does that, what does that mean? That how do means, you do that? That means third downs we've got to finish. That means uh, fourth quarter we've got to finish. That means in the red zone on the goal line, how many opportunities in the goal line that they have that they didn't score any points or, or had to settle for field goals. Uh, so, you know, obviously they'll do an extensive analytical breakdown offensively, defensively, in the kicking game. But if we're just talking about the team in general – uh, to me, on the outside looking in, when you talk about that particular year, we had the lead in every one of those games. Hawaii, Texas State, uh, I mean, I can't remember them all. Stephen F. Austin, we had the lead in all those games and lost in the fourth quarter. So our emphasis during the offseason, after we went back and looked at everything, is we need more first downs. We've got to convert more third downs. we got to we got to finish better in the red zone instead of field goals, touchdowns. And then we've got to finish fourth quarters. You know, So that was the emphasis, and we just – literally brainwashed our kids with that throughout the offseason and the summer. You, Everybody wants to be better in the red zone. What are the keys to red zone success? Because that definitely was a huge sticking point. If Arkansas had, I don't know, if they were 15% better in the red zone, they might have won two more games. Yeah, you got to run the football down there. I mean, the field is very, very constricted. That's where your tight ends come in in the passing game. You know, they're, they're usually – But not under center trying to bully their way into the end zone maybe. That's true. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, but the field very constricted down there. You have to be able to run the football, and that's where you got to have four buckles and two screws and everything's got to be tight and guys have got to be assignment sound and flat backs and, you know, running backs have to carry, the you know, their shoulder pads over, you know, over their knees and their chest. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, to me it's, it's, it's about uh, – running the football down the red zone and with an attitude. And uh, you saw it sometimes and sometimes you didn't. I like getting under the center down there a little bit more. I'm not saying exclusively, but I like getting under the center. There's a whole package of plays that, you know, you can use. Now the one thing you do do when you get under center is you take away the threat of the quarterback run, except for the quarterback sneak. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, but I do think that there's some things you can do under center uh, that would help them a little bit. Uh, I'm sure they'll look at all that. Yeah, and with having KJ, that's the ultimate goal line threat. I mean, so many times we did see him score in the red zone. And the, the crazy thing, uh, the Missouri game in the first half, they run that quarterback play, and he finds a gaping hole, walks into the end zone. They made it look easy scoring in the red zone. And then later on, Coach, in the fourth quarter – you get first and go from the two, and they can't score. And yeah. it was like, how was it so easy earlier in the game, and now you can't get two yards in three plays and have to settle for a field goal? Well, defenses make adjustments, that's for sure. Um, but, uh, you know, the quarterback is, is not accounted for a lot of times. And so, you know, I go back to the experience I had with my son, Zach, who was 6'5", 235 pounds. He scored 17 touchdowns one year. Some of them were long runs, but the majority of them were from the five-yard line in where we just said we're going to get in here tight and we're going to pack it in and, and uh, protect the edges. And, you know, I know we were playing Southeastern one particular year and we ran the quarterback power three straight times from inside the two-yard line. And on fourth down, we finally got it in. But we were we committed to doing it and with an attitude and we finally got it done. So I just think that you got to run the football down there because you are limited in the passing game. That's how you get better in the red area. You gonna hang out? Yeah. Good. We gotta talk about your sponsors a little bit. We'll get to that on the other side. Talk a little more football with Coach Conk. The Natural State Football Report continues on the other side. How is it possible that you could actually have a playoff format in college football? Well, gee, I don't know. 
How about high school from a major state? Let's say Texas, Florida, or California. Let's see how they do it. Okay, let's see. These guys, you know, they win a certain number of games. They have a qualification. Okay, now, boom, they're in the playoffs. But they don't have just two or four teams or something. Hell no, because they want everybody to have fun and enjoy this playoff system. Okay, now the suspense is really starting to get thick because, you know, Division Two might do it differently. No, in fact, they don't. They do it exactly, exactly, boys and girls, like Division Three does. And then now they've changed the initials because in this era of political correctness, they love to change initials and make it proper to say things one way instead of another. And I forget what the initials is. But then they go to one double A. Okay, at one double A. How do they do it? One double A. One double A. I mean, because that's getting closer to us, and we're really sophisticated because we're major, major <laughs> one A. How did they do it in one double A? You know what? They have a playoff format, and they play it, and they figure it out. And, and, and then, um, okay, 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 well, that's, they're all below us. Okay, what about above us, the NFL? And everybody, you know, that just makes you feel good to roll those initials off your uh, – it's like Huckleberry Finn said, some days I just have to swear to get a good taste in my mouth. Okay, so then NFL. Now that makes my mouth feel good because that's the best and they're the top. Let's see here. How did they figure out their champion? <clears throat> well, they in fact organize a playoff system. And how many teams are in there? A hell of a lot more than four. And then they sort it all out. And then <clears throat> they, <clears throat> they have one battle after the next. And at the end, guess what? They sort out a champion. And it's called the Super Bowl. And there, there's not interest diminished because people are captivated by the playoffs. And the biggest sporting event every year in the history of the world is the Super Bowl. Mike Leach, ahead of his time in a lot of ways, certainly was ahead of the curve on the playoff, and he nailed it there. And it's funny because, you know, he used to argue, like, oh, I can't have him play that many games. Well, what about Division Two and Division Three and FCS? Ah, uh, well, uh, it's like, and you guys fly privately. They're bussing all over the place. And you you guys can't play 15 games, but they can? Give me a break. Anyway, um, all right, Coach Conk hanging out with us again. Thank you to Farm Brothers Flying Service all year long for sponsoring, along with Kitchens Truck Sales. And it sounds like uh, Lance is going to join us in the next week or so. We can talk about horse racing and a little bit about his business. Yeah, it'd be great. Uh, talk to him and uh both alan kitchens and yep. uh we're gonna have both of those guys on in the next few weeks and uh you know appreciate their friendship first and foremost and of course their sponsorship of this show and their support of the buzz and just awesome dudes and i can't wait to get them in here studio with you guys uh lance this will be his second year and he did have a horse run this weekend i'll let him tell you about that a new okay. horse he's got an update on wells bayou and the latest on him and what he's doing and so uh, yeah, and now that Oakland's up and running, perfect to get Lance in here. And then, of course, Alan will come in from uh, – actually, he'll come in from Heber Springs. He's got a home there, but his business is in Mariana and uh, uh, just an awesome guy, him and his family and what they've done in that particular area and then his friendship. And he'll be able to tell you what's all going on over there, uh, kitchen truck sales. We talked to Dr. Teague yesterday about some changes happening at the FCS level uh, or whatever Mike Leach wanted to call it. It's fine with me. <laughs> we can call it 1AA still if you want to, but – um, they are obviously working with the WAC and are going to create a uh, football conference, football-only conference, kind of like the Missouri Valley Football Conference has done, and they're going to continue to evaluate and potentially move up to FBS in the future if it makes sense and works out for them. But one of the teams that we mentioned was UTRGV, where your son is the athletic director, and they are building their football program from the ground up. 
Yep. And they are in the process and making some. Yeah, so uh, really excited for Chase. Of course, Chase was the director of athletics um, uh, here at the University of Arkansas, Little Rock, and then took the job at UTRGV down in uh, uh, Edinburgh, Texas. And, you know, a lot of people don't know a lot about the Rio Grande Valley and that particular school. It used to be the old Pan American. They closed that school and um, and then opened it like on a Friday, closed it on a Friday and opened it on a Monday is the University of Texas Rio Grande Valley. And so uh, Division One, they're in the WAC in all sports. They've added football. That was approved by the students and the Texas Board of Regents, and they just hired uh, their first head football coach, uh, Travis Bush, uh, who we've got some family ties to, recruited Zach, uh, was on the original staff with Larry Coker at uh, UTSA, mm. uh, helped build that program, but he also played at Texas State, coached at Texas State, coached at TCU, the Buffalo Bills, and the Houston University of Houston Cougars. So uh, ex- extremely successful high school coach. So, yeah, they'll be coming in the league in 2025, so you'll be making some uh, some trips down to the Rio Grande Valley. It's a long way. Yeah, expect your son to put me up in uh, some <laughs> nice digs. Hey, I wanted to ask you about a couple of bowl games. Speaking of uh, Texas, San Antonio and Troy, one of the better bowl games. They're playing this week, first day of uh, bowl games on the 16th. Yeah, uh, two really, really good football teams. Uh, and I don't know. What, what, do you know what the line is on that? I mean, don't. it's probably it. it's probably one or two points either way. I mean, two really good football teams. And uh, UTSA, you know, just got that, that two – uh, Erico 210 toughness, you know, with Coach Trailer, and uh, of course Troy, I think went 10 and two this year. They just two, two points for the uh, Trojans. Their yeah, favorite. I, 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 I'd stay away from that game. Yeah, Justin, <laughs> okay. fun to watch though. Yeah, I mean it will be a great college football game. I guess that kicks it off. Yeah, uh, that's the first day. There's two games that day. Uh, let me ask you too to put a bow on this. And Wes obviously was involved in calling the games and covering it all year long. But on the high school season and. You know, it's interesting. We talk a lot about the private schools, and I know some people have a, a bit of a hang-up about some of that. Um, but there was only one private school that ended up winning a title, and obviously Shiloh made it to the final, got smoked, and then uh, you know you saw PA sneak one out, and then Harding Academy lost. Yep. Again, significant margin to Malvern. So, um, pretty good year for the public schools. But I thought uh, if you were looking for a balance, to some degree, maybe you got there this year. Yeah, it was exciting. You know, the big one to us, I think, is Parkview. You know, the first. Mm-hmm championship here in the city in a long long time 2004 something like that so um but this past week charleston home of eddie carmona Ah, remember the eddie Mm -hmm. yeah played at charleston and a great kicker for us down at uh, university of central arkansas and then uh malvern i mean that one kind of surprised me Mm -hmm. not that they won Mm because they deserved to be Mm -hmm. there obviously but by the score but yeah i mean i thought the public schools uh they stood up and and uh took a pretty good accounting of themselves this yeah. year. I tell you what I just heard. I heard Coach Toddy just now. I don't know if y'all heard that. He's got 22 starters, guys that started coming back next year. That's not fair. I'm going to go ahead and pick Ryzen. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> he said, you know, if the guys that are injured come back, he should have 22 players on the field their wow. first game next year that have all started. Let me just say one little prayer here while we're all together, boys, that we never have to talk about portals or NILs related to high school football. And uh, when you got 22 guys coming back, you usually have 22 guys coming back. Yeah, that's pretty good, yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, it was a great high school. Wes, I appreciate love the banner between you and I and mm-hmm. the insight there. Of course, you follow it much closer than I do. But uh, it was a great year for high school football. And uh, I want to give a shout-out, to again, to my Hazen Hornets over there, man. They had a heck of a year. I mean, they ran the gauntlet, and uh, uh, congratulations to those guys. Pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Now, you know, Carlisle feels like uh, Phil Mickelson and a lot of other people who played with Tiger Woods. is like, boy, if only that one guy had not been there. <laughs> Would have been the champ. Would have been the champ. 
All right, well, that's it for us. Coach, we'll visit next week. Thanks again to your sponsors. We appreciate them. We appreciate you.